this week, the Department of Social Protection finally agreed that the public services card cannot be made a mandatory requirement for accessing public services. The government-issued card, which holds a person's name, photograph, signature and PPS number, has been used for 10 years for claiming social welfare. But having one was also made mandatory for applying for a driver's licence, passport, education grants and more. Two years ago, the Data Protection Commissioner ruled that such a requirement had no lawful basis, was challenged in court by the Department of Social Protection, but this week they dropped that challenge. Helen Dixon is the Data Protection Commissioner for Ireland. She's with us now. Helen Dixon, thank you very much for coming into us this afternoon. Were you surprised by the decision of the Department of Social Protection to drop its appeal this week? No, I can't say I was surprised because, of course, we were involved in, in settlement talks with the department during the week Um, I I think it's a good outcome for the public, it's a good outcome for the department and it's a good outcome for the DPC. Um, Ultimately, of course, it was our position that it was unsustainable for the department uh, to argue, first of all, that it should be entitled to retain the personal data of all individuals who applied for cards uh, almost indefinitely or for their lifetime plus 10 years. Uh, And secondly, it, it, it was unsustainable per our analysis Uh, that the card would be mandated, that individuals would be compelled to get cards to access other services. So, uh, no, I I don't think it's a surprise. I think it's a good outcome all round. Is the use of the card mandatory for anything now? The card is required and can be required to uh, access social welfare benefits. But that's it? That's it, although other uh, public sector bodies can require an individual to produce their card if they already have a card. So if an individual has already registered and, and has acquired one, they can be asked but to produce it. But people don't it, have to now. But they don't have to uh, acquire one. Have you been vindicated by this decision or vindicated by their move this week? I don't think it's necessarily the language that uh, we're using at the DPC. Uh, others are certainly commenting in that direction. But as I say, we're really looking at it as as a good outcome for the public and, and a good outcome all round. Is it a governance conflict to place your work as a regulator under a department, the Department of Justice in this case, subject to your regulatory oversight, and then reliant on, on funding from another department, the Department of, of, uh, of uh, Enterprise, uh, sorry, uh, Deeper, uh, that is currently itself the subject of investigation by you? Does that leave you compromised? It, it doesn't leave us compromised, but it does make things very complex. Um, data protection authorities under EU law are required to have a very particular form of independence. And that is because precisely as you've said, we're required to supervise government as well as big tech companies and other private sector and voluntary entities. Uh, there's a variety of approaches across EU member states in general because there has to be a sponsoring minister for data protection legislation in any member state. Inevitably, a data protection authority sits uh, under a particular department. But there tends to be a variety of approaches in terms of funding of those authorities. Would it be better, in your view, if you were funded by a levy from the companies that you oversee? 
Not necessarily. So, for example, uh, prior to the GDPR coming into application in 2018, uh, authority, or, or rather organisations were required to register and notify the Data Protection Authority of their data processing operations. That was eliminated as a requirement, a red tape requirement under the GDPR. So to implement a levy, you'd have to reintroduce that type of red tape notification. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily be a, a better approach to funding and not necessarily any more independent either. You mentioned GDPR and the companies that you oversee, which is a large part of your work. And your office has been accused of lobbying the European Data Protection Board on behalf of the social media giants like Facebook, uh, lobbying to make data protection laws easier for them to bypass. Have you? Absolutely not. That that particular uh, assertion is particularly perplexing to us and our fellow EU data protection authorities. Under the GDPR, all of the EU's data protection authorities uh, and actually the EEA authorities and the EU Commission and the European Data Protection Supervisor, we sit in a grouping uh, called the European Data Protection Board. And week in, week out, we make decisions about whether to prepare guidance on certain topics uh, and we discuss ways in which we can harmonise the approach to implementing the GDPR. Under no circumstances is is that lobbying. Uh, and, and if it is, we're lobbying each other every single day. Did you push for social media companies to be allowed to bypass users having to give consent? Not at all. Um, what's, what's at issue here is that under the GDPR, all organisations that collect and process personal data have to establish that they have a lawful basis under Article 6 of the GDPR. Um, and it became apparent in the run-up to the GDPR that a lot of organisations, in particular social media platforms, may seek to require, uh, 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 rather rely on a legal basis uh, that suggested that any processing they did was necessary to perform a contract with the user. And so uh, because there was going to be a reliance more heavily on this uh, legal basis, the DPC suggested to other EU data protection authorities, we should look at this in the round uh, and establish the parameters and update, in fact, the parameters for and, reliance. And you met with companies like Facebook to go through this. Is that right? So let's go back to the purpose of, of the DPC uh, as, as a fundamental point. Our purpose and our function and our only function is to ensure compliance with data protection law, principally with the GDPR. Uh, and I think all of us would probably prefer if there's no harm done in the first place, that organisations would comply simply with the law. Uh, but of course, if they don't and if that can't be procured, then we have powers of sanction and, and enforcement. So it makes sense for us as a regulator in the context of trying to protect people and their personal data that we would meet with the biggest data processing controllers on an ongoing basis. So, for example, we've quarterly meetings with Angartha Shikana, with the Department of Social Protection, now with Tusla also in terms of their processing. And equally, we meet uh, with, with the platforms, as do other EU data protection authorities on an ongoing basis. Th this is a, a, absolutely a requirement if you're to ensure uh, that... 
issues are prevented in advance. You're aware that four MEPs have written to the Justice Minister here and to the Justice, uh, the EU Justice Commissioner this past week. Now, they've used the word lobbied and one of them, the Dutch MEP, uh, Sophie Intfeld, said that you are lobbying for lower standards for big tech. Are these four MEPs entirely wrong? So if if you read the full content of the letter, it's clear that they've picked up those assertions and allegations yes. that you referenced earlier and simply repeated them almost verbatim. And they've quoted statistics uh, that uh, do not reflect the work of the DPC that, again, they've picked up uh, from those that, that, that seek to put out this type of information. So I, I suppose... So you don't accept their charge, is that correct? We do not accept their charge because they're, they're misinformed in terms of, of the content of, of the letter. So, so just to go back on this, what were you doing? Do you, think that, do you think that Facebook and other companies like them should be able to bypass consent every time a user logs on, for example? So under the GDPR, there are uh, several legal bases that can be relied on to process personal data. There's no hierarchy in those legal bases and there's no requirement uh, subject to meeting all of the requirements of the bases that an organisation choose one over the other. Uh, th- that's accepted and, and not simply a position of the DPC. How many other data protection commissioners of your equivalent in the EU support your stance? Uh, the, your Norwegian counterpart, for example, in a letter to you uh, said that your draft decision on Facebook, if it stands, would mean that the right to privacy and data protection would cease to exist, that your ruling would effectively render European data protection laws pointless. So just to clarify, the Norwegian authority didn't write a letter to the DPC. No, (laughs) under the GDPR, the uh, system that has been introduced as a one-stop shop for multinationals in, in the European Union means that when I conclude an investigation, I cannot make the final decision myself. I must transmit it as a draft to my fellow EU data protection authorities and they have an opportunity to lodge an objection if there's any aspect of my draft decision with which they don't agree. So that's the system by design. And so the DPC has put through a number of draft decisions in in respect of big tech companies in Uh, The cases we've put through so far, there have been objections in each case. A majority of the 40 authorities that could object don't. A small number have lodged objections to discrete parts. And so the Norwegian objection is an objection uh, to elements of the decision that the DPC has put forward. It's still part of an ongoing live deliberative process. So I can't really get into debating the merits uh, of either position. But I think important for you to understand is that the very question that's uh, centrally involved in the objections of the Norwegian authority uh, and and the decision uh, that is the case in point, uh, that very issue has been the subject of a preliminary reference case from the Austrian Supreme Court to the Court of Justice of the European Union. So the Austrian Supreme Court itself decided it couldn't decide it, that it wasn't act clear under the uh, under EU law, that it needed interpretation. So this is not a simple matter of she's wrong, he's right. Um, these are novel concepts uh, and being applied to technologies that didn't exist heretofore. And so there are big questions to be decided. And, and ultimately, the courts 
uh, will decide it. Many of the critics of your office point to a slow approach in resolving cases. The Irish Council of Civil Liberties say that just 2% of 164 cases with your office have been ruled on. The European Court of Justice accuses you of, quote, persistent administrative inertia. And the EU's Parliament says it's particularly concerned that so many privacy cases referred to you haven't reached the stage of a draft decision. Why not? So first of all, the 2% of 164, which was referenced in the MEP letter earlier and quoted from the ICCL, is completely meaningless and uh, derived, in fact, from statistics that the ICCL procured from the European Data Protection Board. The European Data Protection Board, as an interim measure, is using a a communications sharing platform called the IMI. It's an internal market system in the EU to communicate between EU authorities. It is not a case management system and it doesn't purport to be a case management system. So when complaints are lodged with EU authorities that ultimately are for my office to resolve because the platforms are based here, they're passed through this system, but they're rounded up under case numbers rather than uh, itemised out as individual complaints. So the ICCL is quoting a rounded up figure based on a non-case management system and trying to make make hay out of it, really. So the statistics are meaningless. The figures are actually that since the GDPR came into application, the DPC has handled 18,000 complaints, resolved over 15,000, and these are published in our annual reports and elsewhere, Of those, 1,300 are cross-border cases, of which over 700 are resolved. So why, in your view, are the European Court of Justice accusing you of persistent administrative (laughs) inertia? Again, this is a matter I addressed before the joint Iraqis committee uh, in April. The Court of Justice and the Advocate General referenced there did not, in fact, uh, accuse the Irish DPC of persistent inertia. Uh, He made a general comment in response to uh, a submission from the Belgian Council uh, in that case, um, uh, where essentially the workings of the one-stop shop were being queried and he made a general response. It was not a reference to the Irish DPC. Despite all of what you said, and, and because you are effectively the EU's data police for Facebook, TikTok, Google, Twitter, Microsoft, Twitter, there are several more that are headquartered here, as you well know, I mean, there's a recent Bloomberg opinion piece, which was reprinted in the Washington Post, read widely and globally, that said, Europe's ambition to lead the world on data privacy has a weak spot, Ireland. Why has that narrative developed? And more to the point, when articles like that have appeared in recent weeks, why haven't you come out to defend your work in the way that you've done today? So, in fact, we have come out to defend our work and, and to go back to your earlier question about why why is this type of narrative developing? Yes. This, this is a very long tail, in fact, this narrative and is often linked to Ireland's tax position in relation to multinationals. Um, in fact, in March 2019, Politico published an article which was far longer and more damning than the Bloomberg article, which is actually derived from it, uh, in which uh, Politico made a series of allegations about Ireland and Ireland's position with multinationals and data and tax, and also about data protection regulation. And it was working off a thesis 
that essentially the Data Protection Authority is set up to support industrial development policy and not to protect the rights of individuals. It was particularly critical of my predecessor in the role. And then it went on to try and uh, advance a thesis that I had been appointed and specially selected on foot of conversations between uh, the then Taoiseach Enda Kenny and Cheryl Sandberg of Facebook. Yes. I think that's been roundly debunked uh, at this stage. But but this has a long tail, this type of narrative. A very long about, tail. Uh, are, are, are critics simply ganging up on Ireland or, or, or why has this perception developed in your view? Because the Bloomberg piece that I quoted, and, and as you have I just gone on to example that these aren't isolated cases. I, I can find several pieces where anybody who does a search for Ireland and Data Protection Commissioner, your name and the office, it's littered with international criticism of your office and Ireland as a result. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And of course, what what's happening here is that you have opinion piece writers quoting the same original sources of some of the criticism and repeating and repeating and repeating statistics that are not the statistics that are published by the EDPB or or the DPC. And I think the problem has intensified now under the GDPR because now you have a system of joint decision-making between the EU data protection authorities. You have this concept of cross-border cases and what's become very difficult is to control the taxonomy even of of how enforcement actions and complaints are described, let alone set out what are objective measures of the effectiveness of enforcement. So the area is rife now for these opinion pieces and commentators from the sidelines that are able to... But these aren't just commentators from the sidelines. I mean, we have the European Court of Justice criticising you. We have European commissioners who are concerned that perhaps you're under-resourced. These, these aren't just Politico and Bloomberg. These are, are, are bodies central to your work too, aren't they? But but first of all, the Court of Justice, the European Union, didn't make a criticism. And similarly, the commissioner that you're pointing out, Commissioner Vera Yarova, did not make a comment specifically about Ireland. You do have commentators that link any comment about the GDPR because the GDPR is in its infancy. It is, it's going to be a long work in progress, leave aside the DPC and Ireland and the particular issues you're raising. Um, whenever any any commissioner comments on this type of thing, it's assumed if there's any negative element to it that it's a specific reference to Ireland. I was out in Brussels uh, last month. I met with Commissioner Reinders. He's the Justice Commissioner. I'm very clear in terms of the conversation that he and I had in terms of his understanding of the dynamics at play here. Uh, and uh, I, I'm satisfied from our interactions with the EU Commission that we're very clear. Are they satisfied that you have enough resources to do your job, which, as we've said, is a very big job in an EU context? Uh, I think they support my position, which is that on an ongoing basis, we're going to have to keep building up the resources we have. When I was appointed at the end of 2014, we had 27 staff in a provincial location. We now have 185 in our headquartered again in Dublin. Is that enough? It's not enough. We could uh, put to good use uh, and productive use more staff. We will be hiring more staff next year. We will continue to campaign in the budget for more staff. 
But, but you know, there, there's obviously an absorptive capacity as you built it up. And we saw the central bank uh, had to go through this in Ireland as well. Just one further question just on data retention, because it has been uh, in the news recently. The recent European Court of Justice ruling on the Graham Dwyer case. Is it time, in your view, that Ireland updated its laws on retaining data and finally transposed the ruling by that court from 2014. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think it's time for the state to implement the Murray report, which covered all of these issues extensively. Why is it taking so long, in your view? I think that's a question you'll have to put to government. Helen Dixon, uh, Irish Prote- Data Protection Commissioner, thank you very much for coming into our studio today. Thank you.